Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chiseled. And why do we call it Chiseled? Because we're all a work in progress. I'm Rob Commodore today. I'm your host. I'm also publisher or author of the book, Better Than You Think. And today I have a friend, a special friend, a guest, and as you may assume, another realtor, uh, and Josh Forster from Fort, the beautiful Fort Collins, Colorado. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you doing? Good, good. And uh, one thing I failed to mention there, fellow author. Fellow uh-huh. author, Josh yes. Forster, right? Part so of the Josh, club. Yes, I, I joined his club <laughs> years ago. So I know Josh through this real estate community we are, we're all part of, and many of you have heard. Josh has been in the real estate business for 18 years. 18 years. He's done very well. He has his own company, and he's been married for it'll be, it'll be 17 years next you know, 20 years next year. Yep. So he's coming up on his 20 year anniversary. Three kids, 15 daughter, a 15 year old daughter, 13, 11 year old uh, son. So Josh, welcome to the show again. Appreciate you having me, Rob. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I want to start out real quick, Josh, with the, yeah. the idea of the book, discovering why. Okay. A lot of people go through life and they, they, they go through what we call on autopilot and really yep. don't know what they want to do or don't know what they're called to do. And you wrote a book discovering why. And I'm going to ask you the first question. Why did you write the book? <laughs> why? Uh, the, that very reason we, my wife and I discovered our why and um, then learned about all the people that have no idea, you know, why they're here, what their purpose is. And um, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you the long version of it. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in a, a, a service industry, right? We like helping people. And, so in, in May, it was May 4th, 2012, we learned about um, an organization that was working to battle uh, the human trafficking of children. Um, and so was it a dinner party thing, one of those educational, you know, charity dinner party uh, things. And on the way home, just felt shocked and, you know, uh, sheltered, uh, living in northern Colorado, beautiful place. Um, not that we don't have our issues, but you just don't, it's not in your face, right? And so uh, we decided that we were going to support that that organization in whatever way we could. And so that it quickly kind of became part and parcel to everything that we do. Right. Our, our kids know about it. They help us out with, you know, fundraising and awareness. It's a it's a Christian organization. So it involves our faith. Uh, we tie it into the business, uh, you know, obviously with finances, it's charity. So it, it really became, you know, the motivating factor for almost everything we do. And, uh, you know, we both have a, a business coach, Rob, and um, mine is a, an incredible connector. And so whenever anybody said to him, you know, hey, you know what? I got a great business. I just don't know why I'm doing it. Or, you know, I don't know why I'm on this planet. Um, he would have him reach out to me. He's like, oh, Josh and his wife have a great purpose. You know, give him a call. He'll he'll tell you all about it. And so I'd have these conversations uh, and, you know, people would be like, wow, that's an amazing story. You're, you know, helping get kids out of human trafficking. Um that's great. And they wouldn't say this part, but you could hear it in their tone, right? For you, but that doesn't help me figure out what my purpose is, right? And so that became really frustrating because like I said, we like to help people. And then went to a business conference, you were probably at it uh, in Monterey back in 2015. And, um, you know, the speaker from stage uh, said something that made me really solidify that, you know what, I'm going to not only figure out how to help other people discover what their purpose is, but I'm going to write a book about it. Cause I mean, that's the easiest way to, to disseminate information. Right. And so that, right. that's how it all came about just trying to help other people figure out what their purpose is. 
Do you remember what exactly it was that he said from stage that triggered that I, thought? I do. I do. The The theme – so it's it's the same conference every year, right, every spring. And the theme that year was making your quantum leap. And he said – it was Brian Buffini. Um, and he said, you know, some of you know what your quantum leap is, and it's got nothing to do with real estate. And so then the light bulb kind of went off in my head. I'm like, this, this is what I need to do. So – so that's fantastic. So then had a, you went to this event, but did you know about the human trafficking thing before you went to that little event that you were Yeah, it about? was it was about, well, gosh, I don't know what the exact date of the event was, but it was probably almost exactly three years after we um, found out about about the, the organization helping to fight human trafficking. So I, and I don't know what it does. You like just the thought of it and you see the TV shows and, and, and whatnot. I don't know if that's more dramatized or is it not as dramatized as it could be, or it really is. And it, it makes me cringe. It just makes me sick to my stomach and cringe when you hear about these things. And well, so it's, it's probably not enough. I mean, I don't know what shows you, if it's TV, it, you know, I don't know that they can be, you know, right. TV these days can be pretty explicit. But I mean, when you think that, you know, the, the three ways that these kids are, are trafficked is labor, um, sex trafficking, and then organ harvesting, it doesn't get any more brutal than that. So, yeah. And, and you've come across in one of our conversations, you were telling me about like the ages of these. Yeah. Kids, which is even more heart wrenching. Well, and that's part of what honestly drew us into, I mean, the, there's the right message at the right time. Right. Um, and so we were at that dinner party I told you about. Um, my wife asks good questions. And so we learned about some of this stuff. And then it was kind of a Q&A. And she said, what is the age of the youngest child that you've ever rescued? And he said, two and a half years old. And That's literally insane. at that exact time, he was probably already asleep. But our younger, our middle child, our oldest son, he was exactly two and a half years old at the time. So, you know, you have all these images that you're just kind of, rolling through your head and then you go home and you look at your little two and a half year old sleeping in bed. And it's just, it's that personification of just how, how sick of an issue, you know, that, that it is. And your part in it, is it, is it a time thing? Is, is it a money thing? Is it, uh, speaking about it type of thing? Uh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's kind of both. It's obviously there's an awareness thing, right? Like we would have never gotten involved if somebody didn't make us aware um, I actually serve on the board of the organization now. And so obviously that's time and, you know, strategy and, and, you know, fundraising and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, donations. Yeah. But yeah. We've, we've gotten to the point now, you know, we started out with a little bit uh, earlier. We found out earlier in my career and now we're to the point where, um, you know, on average to, to, to rescue a child out of human trafficking, uh, you know, rehabilitate them mentally, physically, um, get them, all the care that they need and then to get them adopted into a, a Christian family in their native country, it averages, you know, some more, some less, it averages about 1500 bucks. And wow. so, so we, we just, uh, at first we call it a campaign, but campaign kind of felt like it had, you know, an end date. Right. So now we just say it's, it's the one home, one child initiative. So, uh, in our real estate business for every home we sell, we're going to donate the necessary funds to rescue one child from human trafficking. And that's how it's a motivator, you know, in our business. So, so that's where it's tied to the business. One exactly. home, one child. Yep. Yep. Now, like if somebody, if I said, Josh, I want to get involved in this and mm -hmm. I say, Josh, I ask you the same question. How many people have you rescued? Do you know, or just, do you know, your money's helping numerous amount of people. It's in the hundreds. Um, but the, the issue, I'd, I'd love to know that exact number, but I would have to go back and look at exactly when we made what 
amount of donation because it started out i mean inflation right it started out at a thousand bucks or something like that and it's incrementally gone up over the years so i can't just take a total dollar volume and you know divide it by yeah i understand number but yeah it's but, probably shoot uh, uh well a couple hundred a couple three hundred that is amazing yeah. and i and i gotta ask this question have you ever met any of the children or people that you've helped no Rescue. No, not not. I've met a few of them that have been rescued uh, earlier in the stage than than we were involved. Because uh -huh. an incredible amount of these kids come back and work in the ministry, um, you know, counselors and and all that stuff. And uh, so I've met some people that have been rescued, but not um, not any that would have been or been possible for us to be be a part of. But I do have this vision. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be in heaven someday, and it, I like when you go around around right like you have no idea like sometimes you know oh i just affected that person's life right i helped them through a problem or you know and they thank you profusely or whatever but i think there's a lot of people we have no idea that we affected you know maybe it was an offhand comment or you know we didn't even have any direct contact but something we did had a ripple effect or whatnot and i just have this vision of a big long line of kids up in heaven right and they all really in a certain extent are there because we did something about it. Right. And that just, yeah, it, it, it fires me up to think about it. Yeah, I, I get a little emotional thinking about that. And yeah. and I'm hoping I'm around that line. I can see it for you too. That would be amazing. Cause I love can't to imagine. share it with you. Oh, it's, it's so meaningful because some people, we, we go about our days and we do our thing and we mm -hmm. go on autopilot. We don't even, whether it's a goal or purpose or whatever it is. And we just don't really, we're not aware or don't think about all these bigger magnitude things. Right. And this is some pretty heavy stuff that you're involved in. And, and it's powerful that you can be a part of that. And it's funny. I, I interviewed somebody, I don't know, a month ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tie three things together here. And he was talking about, he has a cold stone creamery. Okay. And he was saying how people, his people, employees would come to work and they found meaning in scooping ice cream. And I was like, that's pretty interesting, right? Because, yeah. And he said, even on their off days, they'd want to come to work because they had meaning and helping customers and putting a smile on somebody's face. Yeah. And then I was talking to somebody last week, and, and he and he's another guy I'm going to interview next week. And he's climbed the seven tallest summit, the seven that's called the seven summits, right. the highest summit on all the seven continents. Yeah. And, and um, when his first when he first set out to do it, he, a mentor of his said, "Look, if you're just doing it for yourself, it ain't going to work. If you yeah. do this with purpose and with meaning and for something." you'll have a high level success at it. And so I heard that, I heard him. And then I'm hearing you say, you know, there's purpose and there's meaning with your work. For every home you sell, you're tying it to saving a child. Right. And, and that's so admirable and so powerful that, you know, so, and sometimes I feel like, is, is that a message for me purposely and selfishly? Hey, God, are you telling me I got to find more meaning in my work? Right. Mm -hmm. And and I have my causes that I that I make my calls for and all that. But this is just great stuff. And so I'm so grateful that you're willing to share this and and, and get this message out there. And of course, we're going to get this message out there. And there's more that I can do. I love to help. I appreciate it. So, Josh. Yeah. The, other people, we're talking about this, this the human trafficking thing, but that's your that's your why, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm a person that just comes to Josh and never been on this personal growth journey or the journey to discover what my purpose is, and I say, Josh, how do I find my why? What would you tell me? 
Well, there's a lot of different, you know, there's, there's different tactics, you know, in the, in the, in the book that you're holding and, and whatnot to it's like specifically like, Oh, what, what did you, you know, what gets you fired up? What gets you excited? What makes you lose track of time? What did you dream about as a child? You know, is there a tragedy in your past? All kinds of these different things to like ruminate on. Right. But, but generically it's the first thing I would say is you got to create margin and get rid of distraction. And I'm not saying all day or all week or all month or all year, but create some space. Uh, one of the things that, and you know, take it in context, right. That, that excited me about when everything shut down with COVID, right. Was that people will finally have time to sit down and breathe. They won't have the distractions, you know, like nobody can run out the restaurant for a date or run to the sporting event or because none of that was happening. And then after a few months, of course, it turns out, no, we're, we're like addicted to distracting ourselves. Right. And some of it's, I mean, you can't do any, my kids wake up in the morning. I got to help them get ready for school. I got work, right. I got to pick them up from school. Then I, you know, they're in sports and stuff. And, and then it's dinner with the family. By the time you even have time to think about something, you know, they're asleep and it's nine 30 at night and you're exhausted. Right. So you just, oh, let's watch a show and go to bed. I'm tired. Um, And so when all that kind of went away with COVID, we just went to binging Tiger King or, (laughs) you know, making a funny (laughs) meme about toilet paper or, but, you know, we didn't really, and maybe there was some benefit like, oh, we sat down and played a board game with our family or, you know, we had more connection maybe with those closest to us, but that doesn't mean we really, took the time to contemplate things, right? So the number one thing is just, you know, if you're driving around, turn the radio off. Think, yeah. right? You know, you don't always have to have a podcast. As great as podcasts are, as great as music is, you know, you don't always have to have something blasting through your earbuds, right? Like just take time to, you know, if something upsets you, think about, okay, what is it actually that upsets me about that? Like, is there yeah. some greater meaning? Like, okay, well, yeah, the guy called me whatever name, but what is it like? Why did that elicit such a response from me? Right. Just really thinking about the reasons behind why you are the way you are and why you do what you do. So it's some self digging, if you will. Yeah. It's introspection, right? Yeah. It's looking deep inside and really, you know, I think uh, maybe a great way to stop my wife and I just did, uh, you know, you and I are very familiar with the, the heritage profile, right? I think right. it's called real strengths now, right? It's, uh-huh. it's an in-depth analysis of who you are as a person, you know, how you re- will react in certain situations. And uh, my wife and I had never done, she had done the Enneagram, Enneagram test before, never hadn't done it in a long time. So we both did it together, right? It's like, oh, let's learn how we are and how we match up. And, um, and it's kind of like, it's kind of learning about yourself, right? Like you're not going to be super shocked by what you find out. But if you find out that you're, I don't know, a two in an Enneagram, you're like, and you read through the little description, you're like, oh, that's why I do what I do. Or I react like I react because I'm wired that way. Right. So it's kind of that self-discovery process, but you can only do it through intentional, you know, reflection and introspection. So that, so in, the new guy coming to you and say how to discover my why that you said margin and, and, and get, create margin and get rid of distraction. And mm-hmm. one thing you said was create space. That's the margin piece. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ride down the road, turn the radio off. Yeah. What, else, what else can I do? Is there, is there a model? Is there a system? Is there a, a formula to discovering that? Why? 
So I think the first, you know, you can, everybody can create some kind of time. Is it, you know, okay, watch one episode of your favorite show tonight, not four. Okay. okay? Or wake up 30 minutes earlier, right? Like you can, you can do it in increments, right? Start with five minutes earlier or whatnot, or you know what, maybe don't go out to lunch with all your buddies at work one day a week, you know, sit in your office, you know, make a sandwich and, and take that hour, 30 minutes or whatever. There's a lot of different ways to create that space, right? Um, but I think that a great place to start with what to think about when you're doing that is, okay, what am I doing because I've always done it, right? And what am I doing because I really, I enjoy it. I don't want to get rid of it. Just like, you know, making your life into something you want a lot of times. I don't know who quoted this, but, uh, or whose quote this is, but I'm sure you've heard it. Sometimes figuring out what you want starts with getting rid of what you don't want. And that's like the distraction. So, Get rid of that distraction. The, the don't yep. want stuff is distracting you, correct? But you got to think about what you don't want. We, we all, I mean, I'm, I'm still probably doing things. That's the nice thing about the when you're in the business world, right? You get to the end of the year, you take a look back, and it's like that constant adding and purging and adding and purging. What worked, what didn't, evaluate if it's worth it, get rid of it if it's not. You know, so, so, uh, I guess profound in a sense of like, we're, we're all in somewhat of a leadership journey to -hmm. some degree. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all think that the leader has to be this perfect model of something, but what we, and we see these great leaders, but we don't, what we don't see is what the, what failures they went through to discover how to be better leaders. So it's being willing to fail at those things to get better. Some of these people weren't leaders of me or, but you know, I've been in meetings or whatever and, when somebody said, like, you know, we'll be there might be 12 people in a meeting, right? Talking about whatever business or and somebody will say like an acronym or cite some kind of report or something. I'm like, man, I don't know what that is. I need to Google that or look that up and figure out what they're talking about. You know, because I don't want to say like, I don't know something, right? Uh-huh. And then somebody that you know I respect will say, Hey, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know what that means. Can you fill me in on that? And so not only do they have the cojones, right, to just speak up and they put their ego aside, but, you know, I end up respecting them more because they're just on this journey, right? And they're not afraid to let everybody see that they're on a journey just like everybody else. And sure, they might know more than you, but they don't know everything. So, so they're willing to be vulnerable and, and, and yeah. willing to, to, to come from curiosity too, correct? Yeah. Well, it's like Pat Lencioni just said at the conference we were at uh, together about a month ago. It's like vulnerability is the key to to intimacy and communication and all of that. Yeah. So that, so now we're, we're in that space. We're contemplating something now. Does it, did it, does it, did it come to you? Like you told your story, does it come to you? Like, a, no, that, I should have had a V8 or, or does it like, is it something that gradual? And I, my guess is it's different for everybody, but what do you see? For everybody. Mine was, um, luckily enough, it was kind of an unintentional preparation. Okay. Right. Um, so I knew growing up that I was, uh, you know, when you're a younger guy, it, it sometimes doesn't manifest itself in the most healthy ways. Right. But I would always, I would get really upset, like the whole bully thing, right? Like I would get really upset when other people were taking advantage of somebody else, especially somebody that, you know, whether it was small or, timid or whatever somebody that really couldn't stick up for themselves for whatever reason right so i would always say or like if i saw somebody you know get cut off on the interstate like 
Like, it wasn't even me. Like, I'd get mad. I'd want to go cut that guy off, right, to get back at the other guy. Like, I call myself the Robin Hood of the roadways, and my wife would just roll her eyes at me. Vigilante. Right. So I was always in that kind of mentality of, you know, I'm not, I wasn't a big fighter or anything, but I just would want to stick up for people that couldn't stick up for themselves, right? Yeah. And so when we went to that um, dinner, it was, I mean, if you think about one of the most vulnerable forms or people in our population, right? It's, it's kids, little kids. And, but typically a kid, you know, will have a parent or two parents, right. That stick up for them, that fight for them. Right. But in a lot of these cases, so like life for the innocent, the organization that we're, we're involved with, um, life for the innocent.org all written out. If you want to check it out. Um, their primary focus is the human traffic trafficking of children in South Asia. Okay? okay. And so if you take a look at a lot of those countries there, whether it's political, religious, um, whatever the reason is, a lot of these kids end up in a trafficking situation because of their parents. You know, mm. their parents either got rid of them because uh, they couldn't, you know, feed everybody or, you know, they actually sold them because they wanted the money or they viewed them as bad luck or whatever. Right. And so, when not only are you a very vulnerable population, you're put into that situation by the one or two people in the world who should want to fight for you the most, right? That part of my French pisses me off. Yeah. And so that, that just made me want to step in even more, right? Because they couldn't do anything about it themselves. You're some of the worst people on the planet. You can't ask a five-year-old to put up any kind of defense. It's it, it or most of them the younger ages, and I know we're going back to that. Or like, is it a greater percentage in this younger age, or is there a certain? Most of the average is seven to nine years old. Um, there's older, there's younger, of course, and, and and a lot a lot of it depends too on okay, well, what form of human trafficking is it? Right, um, mm -hmm. organ harvesting all over the board. You know, labor tends to be you know, obviously you can't get a two and a half year old to, you know make bricks or whatever. Right. 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 So, yeah. So the, the, the we talking about the why discover the why still. So we're there, you know, you, you, you contemplated something, you're, you're figuring mm -hmm. things out and some people comes too quick. Some people might come to at, at a slower pace mm -hmm. when it comes to you. Is there, is there a feeling a knowing a like, aha, you know, that's it. What happened well, for me? It was anger. So I don't okay. Know. Okay. <laughs> but so, I do feel, I do feel like, you know, I feel like your baseline of personality, right. Is, you know, like there's nuances and you can mature or digress in, in whatever, you know, personality trait that you have, but, you know, at a certain point we're more or less kind of set. Right. But there's something that, that comes along and, I think you just kind of get that feeling because you know who you are. By the time you're really thinking of this, although, you know, it tends to be the younger people are thinking about it younger now. I mean, when I was in college, I was thinking about playing baseball and, you know, chasing <laughs> girls, right? I wasn't thinking about yeah, that. Right? <laughs> now it seems like every, you know, millennial and younger wants the kumbaya, you know, purpose-driven moment from the time they're 12. <laughs> but, um, but I think it takes a certain amount of life, right? Because I don't, until you're mid-20s, you really know who you are. And what makes you tick or are you doing it, you know, because your buddies are or the girl that's cute is or, you know, whatever. But once you reach that point, 
I think that there is a little bit of a, a resonating, right? Like, oh, this this speaks to me. It's something I I have the capability of doing something about, or I can I maybe not now, but I want to figure out how because it it's either bothering me that much or inspiring me that much or or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. You said you used the word or term speaks to you. Like I, I like to say. When you talk about people and their passion or the purpose and uh, you know that little uh, tuning for it when you hit it it goes hum, you know hums mm-hmm. and then when you get that feeling when it's something you're doing whether it's what you're doing whether it's playing ball whether it's singing whether it's dancing whether it's writing or speaking whatever the case is when when you when you feel that energy and I think that's what I I share with people or encourage people to be aware of is feel the energy behind what you're doing when you're doing it. and if there's an energy there that really lights you up Mm-hmm. Then it's some, something or ang- angers you in your case, right? right. But right. but if there's an because it's still energy, right? It's still right. energy, right? And if there's an right. energy behind it, then what do you do with that energy? And it's like, okay, something's talking to me here. Let me listen in a little more. Let me contemplate it a little more. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Yeah, because um, I think it goes back a little bit to like if you're not there yet, right? And that something happens to you, it's okay. Well why do I feel it? Like, what is it about this situation or this issue or whatnot that, that is giving me this energy? Like, where is that coming from? Right. And I think that's what we got to dig in. Where's it coming from? I think that's great. Now, earlier you said, you know, learning about yourself helps Mm -hmm. you discover some of your purpose. So, uh, and and you talked about this heritage profile of real strengths that we do. Uh, People may have heard of the Briggs, I think it's Briggs and Myers or, Right. Uh, there's um, disc things disc, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so how does help me understand how does learning more about myself and what is it about that learning that helps me discover that purpose? Well, I think anytime, anytime you truly know who you are as a person, right? Not only can you identify what resonates with you better, like we've been talking about, right? But you can also then so like if i if i don't like nuclear weapons okay <laughs> not a whole lot i can do about that right? right i can do one little thing call it a big thing every four year every couple of years you know we got an election coming up right but as far as my daily life you know unless i'm willing to become a lobbyist and move to dc or you know there's not a whole lot i can do about that so i think it's also lining up might be a poor example, but okay, here's how I'm wired. So now I've learned about this thing that gives me this energy, right? Happy, mad, sad, whatever. Um, but it also lines like, here's something that I'm gifted at, or I'm wired to do that I can actually do something about. Who is it that, that talks about, um, you know, you can have control. Do you have control over it? Do you have influence? You know, like the, the spheres, right. And when those overlap, um, I mean, that's when you can really pour gas on the fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's funny you mentioned the control and influence. We just did a little team exercise. Okay. Uh, Director Officer brought it up uh, last week and we did a little exercise about CIA. And it's not the CIA, so the Secret Service kind of thing. Right. It's, right, right, can right. you control it? Can you have influence over it? Or do you just have to accept it for what it is? Right. So so what can, can you control? And what can you have influence over? Um, so, so, Josh, I got to ask you this question. So we, <laughs> we talked a little earlier and you wrote this book. And by the way, I've read it and it's a really, really good book. I loved reading Appreciate it. And, and, and Josh, is a great speaker too, by the way, because he's been out and he's spoken in front of people about this, the same stuff. So 
Josh, what I asked you earlier, and I, and I wanted, I said, I'm, I'm going to hold this one for the podcast. So have, have you read your own book since it's been published and printed? I read, I've read it one time. Uh, I was actually in a book club and they picked the book to read. So I'm like, well, I better reread this to make sure I remember exactly what I said. <laughs> so yeah, one time. And, and that was early on. Early on. We're very early on. Yeah. Now, was there an insecurity when you picked it up? No, because um, I'd had enough, you know, my inner circle read it. And, you know, like you said, like I read it, it was good. It really spoke to me, you know, whatever they might have said. So, um, no, but I did find a typo, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, the perfectionist that we are, right? Yep, page, page 74, about three quarters of the way down. <laughs> Let me, wait a minute, it's two, page 74? Two words with no space. So we'll look it up. We're just for the fun of it, Josh. We'll look it up. Three quarters of the way. Hopefully, I got the page right then. I don't know. I'm not going to dig too much into it, but I'm going to look it up. I'm on page 74 right here. Anyway, so now have you thought about picking it up since? A lot. And Uh, I can't Um, because I know that if I pick it up now, so that book was written, um, or well, Took a while to write, but it was finished in August of 2018. Okay. No, 2017. I'm sorry. And so then obviously, you know, things kind of shut down um, for a couple of years. We learned a lot about ourselves, you know, the country, the world. Um, and when you're out speaking and, you know, um, talking about a topic, you learn a lot about it. Like you don't, it's not a static concept, right? Yeah. And so I know that if I pick it up now, there's going to be a bunch I want to add. There's going to be some stuff that I want to elaborate on, maybe pull out some stuff. And if I start that, it's such a ball of wax that, and I know what it's like to, to get there. And if I'm going to redo that, and then the natural then is to, you know, the re-release and there's social media and speaking and uh-huh. um, it's not something I, uh, I want to go down that road just yet. It's in the future for sure, but not not at this point. So, my hearing there's if there was there could either be a second edition of this book, or is there another book on the horizon at some point in time? Both, both and both. both and. That's, that's what we like to talk about all the time. Yeah. So, yep. Josh, you've been you've been chiseling away at this thing called life for a long time, right? Yep. How old are you? Uh, Forty five. 45. So I've been chiseling away at this life, this thing called life for 45 years. You really probably didn't realize it for the first 10 or whatever the case may be, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, where, how much more chiseling is there to go in Josh Forster? Oh, man. Have I even been started chiseling yet? Uh-huh. Um, I think uh, you and I have a good friend named Mike Gandolfo. And I don't know if he quoted somebody else or if this was him, but I was sitting in a little, we were at a conference together in Omaha. And he had he was leading a little breakout session. And he said, uh, he said, do you know why people that are achievers and strive to be better always feel like they're failing? It's because they have this vision of what they're capable of and they will never actually get there because the more that you grow yourself and achieve, right? The more you can accomplish, the more capacity, the more bandwidth that you've gotten. And that really helps me out because I constantly feel right. Like there's, there's way more that I don't know than I do way more to work on than it's already done. So, so what drives you to keep doing it? Cause that's a powerful statement. And I think about that, Josh, mm-hmm. I think about it often because I, I heard it was, I guess on an Ed Milet podcast and maybe Ed Milet said it himself. He said, you know, would it be a shame to go to heaven and have God show you the guy you were capable of being and never were? 
And that's exactly it. Like I was made way more perfect than I'm turning out to be by my creator. And I would love nothing more than to meet him and for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, yeah. Which he's going to say, even if I mess everything up, right? As long as I love him, right? Uh -huh. I'm human and I'm still going to strive for it, right? Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's kind of like um, I was never in the military, right? Um, respect the hell out of those guys. But you hear the, you know, the, the the survivor's guilt sometimes that they have coming back from a tour or a war. And they want to live their best life because of the guy that they know who didn't get to come back. Right. And yeah. I, I think it's a little bit of that kind of thing. It's like if I have the skill set that God has given me, I owe it not only to myself, to him, but to other people. Right. Because we're better together when we're all leaning into our gifts to do the best that I possibly can to bring those out of myself and to share them with others. So it is, is it a constant striving to be better, be, be better, be better? Or is there time to take a break and say to yourself, well I done, just Josh. Say when you said, is it a constant striving? I'm like, Roz, sometimes I like to sleep in and watch movies all day. So, <laughs> but I think it's that whole, you know, and as, as more studies are being done right on, on productive, a lot, a lot of the, Oh, is it more productive to be in the office or work from home or a combination? Like there's all these productivity studies in, by far and away, I don't have specific numbers, right? But yeah. the guy that works 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week nonstop is far less productive than the guy at 40 who's taking breaks and has a great home life and comes back refreshed, right? Yeah. So, I oh, there's definitely the rest run cycle, which that's, that's me. I'm not the, you know, I'm going to wake up at the same time and I'm going to do 10 of these and five of these at, <laughs> at 12. Like, I'm a free spirit, right? Like, I... I go hard, like in our, like we like to go see our clients, right? Uh huh. There, there'll be two months. I mean, you'll see some random, right? You might have a coffee or lunch or whatever. Uh huh. Two months where I don't see anybody, but then by gosh, the third month it's 150. I just crank through it and then pull back. Yeah. I need it. Yeah. That's good. So as you mentioned the, the well done, my good and faithful servant. I just started reading a book. It's, it's, it's called the title of the books. Well done. Okay. And, and, and we want not only God to say, Hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. We want in our business world for anybody in business or even our families, we want them yeah. to say to us, well yeah. done. And we want to be able to say to them, well done. So part of our responsibility is to acknowledge that in them and let yeah. them know it's well done. Yeah. yeah. Well, my love language is words. So words of affirmation all you want rob I, i'm high five on that one brother <laughs> so josh look thank you so much and and, and I was, i'll say this to you well done today my friend well done I appreciate it and, and thank you for uh sharing all this the story with us and it's so you know people out there if you don't have a cause that you're fighting for this human trafficking it's real it's bigger than you think if you don't do some digging it'll make you sick but it but it's it's, it's we can help we can help even a dollar helps so yep. you know josh if somebody wanted to reach out to you in fort collins colorado to either talk more about this the, the, your cause and human trafficking and, and how you can help or if they wanted to look into buying or selling real estate how would they get a hold of you uh, cell phone, uh, easiest way, call, text, you know, 970-690-4646, or my email is just my name, josh at joshforster.com. More than happy to connect for sure. Talk about whatever, you know, business or purpose or human trafficking. Um, I'll get the awareness out about it all. So, Well, we're going to do our job right here with this for, so far, right? When this Appreciate is ready to go. Helping us out for sure, Rob. Uh, my pleasure. So, josh, look, until next time, 
Let's go get chiseled. Appreciate it.